This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I am James Heelan, an attorney with the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, and today we will be talking about scientific integrity in the federal sphere. Seven days after his inauguration, President Biden issued an executive order declaring, it is the policy of my administration to make evidence-based decisions guided by the best available science and data. The order required sweeping review and implementation of science-based policies and practices across the executive branch. The administration's follow-through on the order is being coordinated by the Office of Science and Technology Policy and implemented in agencies through their chief science officers. To discuss the executive order, we will first hear from Dr. Shavonda Jacobs-Young, Acting Undersecretary for USDA's Research, Education, and Economics Mission Area and USDA's Acting Chief Scientist. She will give us an overview of the importance of scientific integrity work at USDA. I will then talk with Dr. William Trenkel from the USDA Office of the Chief Scientist and Dr. Jacob Carter from the Union of Concerned Scientists about how scientific integrity policies are impacting practices across the executive branch. Dr. Jacobs Young, welcome to Fed Talk and thank you for being with us today. Thank you and good morning, Fed Talk listeners. I'm pleased to be with you today to tee up what I think will be an insightful public conversation about scientific integrity. I want to thank Fed Talk for organizing a panel on an issue that at first glance may seem a little esoteric, but is in fact critically important and relevant to the daily lives of all Americans. And of course, my thanks for the kind invitation to offer comments. I would like to accomplish two things during the next several minutes while I have the floor. First, I want to unpack the concept of scientific integrity a bit in the broadest possible sense. What do we mean by it and why it matters? And second, I want to situate the role of scientific integrity at USDA where I work. From there, our panelists, one of whom is Dr. William Trinkle, USDA scientific integrity official, will take a deeper dive into the role of scientific integrity at USDA. A good place to start may be with a couple of perspectives on science itself. Some time ago, a university professor of biology noted that science is not a body of knowledge. It is a way of thinking. It is a search for truth that illuminates every aspect of the human condition. And in an article in the Atlantic a few years back, a former state legislator observed that scientists bring a unique perspective in how they look at data and think about problems. They're trained to value evidence and to change their minds in the face of evidence. In other words, science is first and foremost a process driven by the production and availability of evidence that we can observe, test, validate, replicate, and therefore know to be true. The scientific process is how we advance knowledge that is empirically grounded. It is how we analyze context and build the evidence that shapes policies that address the complex challenges of our time. We know that science-backed, evidence-based policymaking works. It enables the U.S. to achieve a broad range of national goals, such as sparking economic growth and job creation, allowing Americans to live longer, healthier lives, and protecting the viability of life-supporting systems. It has driven solutions that have transformed the quality of life for millions of people around the world. At USDA and across the federal scientific enterprise, we don't do science for science sake. We do science to systematically tackle audacious questions and challenges. We do science because it benefits the public good. 
scientific integrity is vital to this process. Many listeners may be surprised to learn that there is no official government-wide definition of scientific integrity. Although several agencies, including USDA, have adopted a common definition. When USDA references scientific integrity, we're talking about adherence to professional values and practices in conducting, reporting, and applying the results of scientific activities that ensure objectivity, clarity, and reproducibility, and provide insulation from a bias, political interference, and other forms of tampering with data. Scientific integrity for USDA is critical because it fosters trust in the research activities we engage across government and in the science-based decisions we make on behalf of the American people. Trust is at the very heart of the scientific process. Researchers must be able to trust each other's work and they must also be trusted by the public since the scientific expertise they share can impact lives. Without public trust in the federal scientific enterprise, the government's capacity to respond effectively to crises and challenges that require scientific expertise is seriously undermined. Let's look at some of the ways scientific integrity impacts American lives and why it matters. The Agricultural Research Service pioneered methods for keeping carbon in soil and out of the air. As greenhouse gases accumulate and trap heat in the atmosphere, Effective mitigation tactics are essential. To advance sustainable agricultural practices that align with this goal, ARS scientists intercrop switchgrass, a hardy perennial plant commonly found in the prairies with poplar trees and discovered the combination to be effective in sequestering carbon in the soil. As well, switchgrass is highly in demand as a fuel source for the bioenergy industry. This is important because carbon sequestration or storing carbon in plants and trees can prevent it from rising to the atmosphere and becoming a greenhouse gas. Now consider for a moment the range of stakeholders who place their trust in this research. Farmers seeking to transition to more sustainable agriculture, environmental policy advocates promoting resource management, bioenergy entrepreneurs looking for reliable inputs. Without complete confidence in the scientific process that led to this breakthrough, we don't advance the field. We miss an opportunity to make progress on a larger goal. Also at ARS, researchers explore using dogs to sniff out the cause of citrus greening, the HLB virus. To address the need for effective early response techniques, researchers with the U.S. Horticultural Research Laboratory trained 20 dogs to detect the bacterium responsible for the virus. The research showed that the dogs were able to detect infected fruit trees with remarkable speed and with 99% accuracy in control tests, exceeding the accuracy rate of any other available detection technology. The time saved in detecting the disease earlier gives citrus growers the chance to immediately remove infected trees, minimize the spread of the disease and crop loss. Now, if you're a citrus grower and the USDA comes to you with a 99% accurate canine detection strategy that will help combat HLB and save time, labor, and money, what would you do? I suspect trusting the science behind the strategy would be top of mind. There are thousands of other examples from across USDA. In every case, USDA's scientific integrity, how the research is conducted, presented, and applied is key to building public confidence and trust in the outcomes. These outcomes affect quality of life and livelihood for millions of citizens. The evolution of USDA's scientific integrity policy over the last decade has been instrumental in gradually shaping, nurturing, and embedding a robust culture of scientific integrity across the department. From the 2009 memo mandating federal departments to issue scientific integrity policies to the initial 2013 departmental regulation codifying USDA scientific integrity policy, to the 2016 update of the regulation, which strengthened protections for our scientists, to current efforts on improving scientific integrity at the federal level. USDA has met scientific integrity standards at every turn. It starts, of course, at the top. Secretary Vilsack has, from the beginning of his tenure in the Obama administration to now, 
under President Biden's leadership, been deeply committed to the strong culture of scientific integrity at USDA. Our Department of Regulation provides a framework that clearly articulates the principles of scientific integrity and lays out the roles and responsibilities of all USDA employees in upholding these principles. A companion departmental manual establishes defined procedures for responding to allegations that scientific integrity has been compromised. And all USDA employees involved in the scientific enterprise have received scientific integrity training. At USDA, we take a whole of department approach to ethical behavior in conducting, reporting, presenting, and using science so the public has confidence that we are using their money wisely on agricultural priorities. But we're not done yet. While USDA has an exceptionally strong scientific integrity culture, we continue to refine it, including aligning with the Presidential Memorandum on Scientific Integrity and Evidence-Based Policymaking issued by President Biden in January 2021. Among the new measures in the memorandum that would deepen our culture of scientific integrity is USDA participation on an OSTP Scientific Integrity Task Force to review the effectiveness of agency scientific integrity policies across the government and recommend best practices. The task force will publish a framework for the regular assessment and iterative improvement of scientific integrity policies. Let me close by saying that our job at USDA is to advance scientific research, discovery, and innovation that informs agricultural policies and practices and benefits all. USDA, along with all federal scientific agencies and departments, is a community of scientists and researchers who live in facts that bear the support of evidence. And so we will always make the case for science and deploy its explanatory power in developing solutions to complex agricultural challenges. And we will stand for the integrity of the scientific process as a basis for sound agricultural policy. At the end of the day, it is about us acting in a way that assures to the citizens of this nation that we understand the responsibility placed on us to act with integrity as public servants, and as scientists. Dr. Jacobs-Young, thank you for starting our show today with your address. I'm excited to continue this discussion with our additional guests when we return from our first break. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I'm James Heelan, an attorney with the law firm of Shaw Brands Van Roth. In our first segment, we heard Dr. Shabanda Jacobs Young, acting undersecretary for USDA's Research, Education, and Economics Mission Area, and USDA's acting chief scientist, giving an opening address on USDA's outlook on scientific integrity. I am now joined by representatives from the USDA Office of the Chief Scientist and from the Union of Concerned Scientists to discuss the state of the scientific workforce in the federal government. But before we dive in, I wanna remind everyone that FedTalk is brought to you by the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The program is sponsored by the U.S. Office of Personal Management, insured by John Hancock Life and Health Insurance Company under a group long-term care insurance policy and administered by Long-Term Care Partners, LLC, doing business as FedPoint. To learn more, visit them at www.ltcfeds.com today. I'm now joined by Dr. William Trankel and Dr. Jacob Carter. Dr. Trankel received his PhD in organic chemistry from the University of California, Irvine, and was an NIH National Research Service Award postdoctoral fellow at Harvard University. He has served in multiple positions across the federal government at the National Institutes of Health and Department of Health and Human Services. He joined USDA's Office of the Chief Scientist in 2018 and is now the USDA Departmental Scientific Integrity Officer and Research Integrity Officer. Dr. Carter received his PhD in Ecology and Evolutionary Biology from the University of Kansas. He has worked in the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy and was an Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education postdoctoral fellow at the EPA. 
He has been a research scientist with the Union of Concerned Scientists since 2017, and is now a senior scientist there. William and Jacob, welcome to the show. James, thank you for the invite. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. Well, we're really glad to have you. So that was a, a quite a bit from Dr. Jacobs Young. She covered a, a lot of topics that are addressed in President Biden's executive order. And she made some excellent points about um, the order arising from a decade uh, of scientific integrity policy from the 2009 presidential memorandum from President Obama to uh, the 2010 guidance from the Office of Science and Technology Policy to USDA's own internal regulations. William, do you have any uh, preliminary reactions to her address? Thanks, James. I think that Dr. Jacobs Young gave an excellent overview and perspective of the importance of scientific integrity at USDA, as well as our focus on a culture of scientific integrity that's really been something that has been of great value to the department. Well, you know, USDA has the benefit of having a designated office of the chief scientist that has existed for some time. Can you tell us about the office's function and, and its role at USDA? Absolutely, James. So you introduced me as the Department Scientific Integrity Officer. And in that role, I'm responsible for helping the department develop policies and education on scientific integrity, administering USDA's scientific integrity program and providing oversight of our responses to resolve scientific integrity issues. And my position is located in the office of the chief scientist. The office of the chief scientist at USDA was established by the 2008 Farm Bill to provide strategic coordination of science that informs the department and the federal government's decisions, policies, and regulations that impact all aspects of U.S. food and agriculture and the related communities. And how does the office execute that mission? Can you tell us a little bit how it plays out on a practical level? So on a practical level, we have a number of permanent employees of which I am one that we have clearly defined roles. And then we have senior advisors who are often on detail or rotating through the office to coordinate specific topics that are important. So the office of the chief scientist is also within the undersecretary of research education and economics mission area. But our role spans the entire department, not just a single mission area. And in your work in the office since January of 2018, how have you noticed the tone um, evolve around scientific integrity these last three years? So I joined USDA in 2018, and there really has not been a great shift in our culture of scientific integrity because USDA has maintained a culture of scientific integrity that was really built on the excellent foundation created by Secretary Vilsack in his first term. And Secretary Purdue was a great supporter of integrity and made integrity one of his first strategic goals during his term as Secretary of Agriculture. Jacob, I'd like to get some UCS perspectives, some outside the federal government take on um, USDA's statements about scientific integrity. Yeah, and I want to say first, it's just so great to hear, you know, I think more positive messages and some hope um, after what was just experienced, I think, under the prior administration, which was a lot of politicization and um, science-based decision-making. And so to hear Dr. Jacobs Young talk about scientific integrity and how important it is and USDA's strong policy that they have is just, it's just really refreshing, um, I have to say. And, you know, one thing that I really took away from uh, Dr. Jacobs Young message was the link between scientific integrity and how it's not only important to federal scientists and the work that they are doing at agencies, but how that's also really critically important to all Americans. Um, you know, Dr. Jacobs Young made that connection really well, I thought, um, that scientific integrity is something that 
really allows Americans to live longer, healthy lives, because that means that we're using the best available science to inform decisions that are affecting everyday Americans. Um, um, at one point, um, Dr. Jacobs Young said, we do science because it benefits the public good. And I, I just think that message, you know, distilled is, is exactly why scientific integrity is just so incredibly important and um, just really appreciated the link and the positive message coming out of USDA. And looking at the history of White House efforts to address scientific integrity, do you think this Biden administration uh, is on the right track? I do think um, they are on the, the right track. Um, you know, if I were a scientist in the federal government trying to figure out what's the next step on scientific integrity? Um, how do I bolster scientific integrity policies? How do I strengthen them? Um, I would certainly start with a review of what has worked and what hasn't worked. And I think that's you know, exactly what we're seeing um, the Biden-Harris administration do now. Um, and I think that's, that's really good news because it shows that they're taking the issue very seriously, um, but they're not moving you know, super quick without taking some time to step back and learn first um, about what has happened um, and what needs to, to happen to bolster scientific integrity across the federal government. So yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they are on um, the right path. Well, the president's executive order requires agencies to conduct a review and assessment within 120 days and um, completes quite a checklist of activities um, within that same time period. Do you think that's realistic? I think so. And the Scientific Integrity um, Task Force, um, which is a, a, a very large task force, they believe it's 42 members um, and headed by four co-chairs, um, was just announced um, last week. Um, and they had their first meeting Friday. And we haven't received too many details about um, what was said in that meeting. Um, but that seems a good enough time to conduct a review, um, especially with that large uh, of a task force, um, to figure out you know, what, what has worked and what hasn't, um, and to provide a framework to strengthen scientific integrity policies and practices across the nation. And does UCS have any advice for the task force or agency leaders about the review that they're going to be conducting? Yeah, I think, you know, we have a ton of recommendations that we put out last year, actually, um, a roadmap um, for strengthening scientific integrity. So um, would encourage everybody listening to go take a look at those reports as they have a lot of uh, detail and information. Um, one thing that I think the task force should pay uh, particular attention to is discussion around enforcement and implementation of the policies. So we have seen instances, um, particularly during the past four years, um, where really great scientific integrity policies on paper um, have been really difficult to enforce in some cases, especially when scientific integrity violations have been conducted by political appointees or more senior level officials that may sit higher in the hierarchy at agencies or, or maybe even be in the White House. Um, I, I hate to harp on it, but it's such a good example. Um, Shark Gate, I'm sure we've all heard of um, when a hurricane forecast was doctored by somebody in the White House with a Sharpie marker. Um, but there was a whole IG report that was published. There were scientific integrity violations that were found um, at NOAA. And from that investigation, no one was really held accountable um, for those scientific integrity violations. So I think that's something that this task force will need to keep in mind and we'll need to discuss moving forward. William, I understand the USDA will be part of the task force. What can you tell us about this process? 
So the task force is going to be looking at uh, the way scientific integrity is handled across the federal government. They're going to work to identify the best practices, and they're going to issue a report as part of the first phase of the task force in 120 days. All right. It's good to know where we're going. We have to stop here for our second break. We'll continue our discussion after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client focused, results driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk and Federal News Network. I'm James Healan with the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. And we are just entering the second half of our show with Dr. William Trenkel, the USDA Departmental Scientific Integrity Officer and Research Integrity Officer, and Dr. Jacob Carter, a senior scientist at the Union of Concerned Scientists. In our prior segment, we talked about the president's executive order um, requiring a review coordinated by the Office of Science and Technology Policy of executive branch scientific integrity policies. And we'll look forward to see what the review turns up and the best practices it recommends. Meanwhile, uh, I understand, Jacob, UCS in 2018 did a survey of scientists across the federal government. Can you tell us what UCS um, gleaned from that survey? Sure, yeah. Um, So UCS has been conducting a survey of federal scientists on scientific integrity and evidence-based decision-making now for over a decade. So we run this survey um, every two to three years and ask scientists about various scientific processes, scientific integrity, and, and what's going on um, and how they perceive the processes to be working or not working um, uh, throughout the federal government. So the survey that we did um, and completed in 2018 was the largest survey that um, UCS has ever done. Um, we sent this survey to um, 16 um, federal agencies and um, we did have a um, lower response rate on this survey. Generally, we get um, around 19 to 25% um, uh, response rate. Um, This one was uh, much lower. Um, um, And I think there are some reasons for that. Um, And one of the reasons was that we did encounter some some folks at federal agencies who said it would um, be illegal for um, agency scientists to to take the survey at the time. Um, so there seemed to be some pressure, and this was published in E&E News, um, for scientists to not take the survey. Um, so I, I think there was definitely some fear there. Um, in addition, we also had to pull a um, large list of names um, from some agencies um, that we received through FOIA. So it was difficult in some cases to determine who was a scientist and who wasn't. And we sent the survey to only federal scientists where we could. So, but the, the survey results were published in plus one. Um, so you can go read about them there. And there were various aspects from the survey that I thought was really interesting. 
Um, one was that there was really a large variation in perception of the effectiveness or not of scientific integrity across the agencies that we surveyed. Um, so for example, at NOAA, CDC, and the FDA, um, the perception of scientists um, at those agencies was really high of the scientific integrity processes at those agencies. Um, and I think um, at least we discussed in, in our paper that is um, published um, that that was really because of really good leadership at those agencies. Um, so we also asked the federal scientists to provide any quotes, um, open-ended responses essentially to the survey um, on scientific integrity. And one at FDA always sticks out in my mind. Um, Commissioner uh, Gottlieb was there at the time that the, the survey went out and there was one scientist who said, you know, maybe I don't agree with um, the commissioner's political views all the time, um, but he really listens to the scientists and really um, makes decisions that are informed on the best available science. And so he is just doing a really great job. And at the agencies where we saw that positive perception of leadership, um, where scientists felt that their leaders were qualified um, and really listened to scientists, we saw really positive perception and responses on scientific integrity and evidence-based decision-making. Um, the other thing that I just wanna point out really quick that was, I thought really interesting from the survey was, um, so UCS is typically asked, a, um, provided an item on the survey to ask about the greatest barriers to um, science-based decision-making at the agency. And for the first time um, that we have, that UCS has been conducting this survey, um, one of the largest barriers that began to pop out was um, politicization from um, senior level decision makers and political appointees. Um, generally what we've seen in the past is federal scientists say that um, there's limited capacity, um, there's not enough resources or funding to do um, the work that, you know, the important science-based work that our office is doing. And so to see that pop out as a huge barrier for the first time, I think really showed, you know, that during the past four years, there were maybe some leaders who were politicizing science at agencies and the federal scientists were really taking note. Um, and because of that, we also saw, um, uh, you know, morale was pretty low at some agencies, not all once again, but pretty low. Um, and some scientists felt like they couldn't do the work um, to meet their, their agency's science-based mission. Um, so the survey was really enlightening um, and it was really interesting to see that variability um, across agencies, um, but also interesting to see the politicization angle pop out as well. Does UCS have any concerns about the small sample size? I know um, for the UCS survey at USDA, there was a 7% response rate. Is there anything that UCS cautions or reads into the, the low response that may impact the data it uh, received? Yeah, I think you are always, you know, really concerned when you get such a um, low response rate and our response rate was certainly higher at other agencies. Um, we worked with the um, Iowa State University Center for um, Statistics um, and uh, Survey Methodology, I think is what the department is called. So we did work with a statistician as we worked to analyze the results um, and we're very well aware of the low response rates. In some cases, the response rates were so low at agencies, we didn't feel like we could um, glean anything from the responses that we got. Um, but, you know, this was, um, uh, we do not, you know, try to randomize the um, individuals that we select um, for the survey because it's nearly impossible to do that with a survey um, like this. So the, um, 
the survey is always intended to, um, you know, just provide some information about what federal scientists are perceiving on the inside. And I think even with a, a low response rate, when you have a good proportion of scientists sort of gravitating towards certain concerns and problems, that is something that we should be aware about, um, that the public should be aware about. So I think there's still really good information to take away um, from the survey, regardless of the low response rate. William, what are your thoughts on the UECS survey results? So this was actually a question that came to me as the Department Scientific Integrity Officer as to whether employees could take surveys of this type. And in consulting with our ethics officer, this is an advocacy activity as defined by ethics. And so employees are perfectly legal and allowed to take these surveys on their personal time, but they can't do it during official duty hours. So that really meant that they needed to take it on their lunch or after work, but it would be allowable for them to use their computers. And we sent out an email to employees telling them that they were allowed to take the survey. Specifically this 2018 survey? We did not address the specific survey. It was general guidance about all surveys from advocacy groups. Well, let's talk about the USDA scientific integrity policy. William, you've been there for three years now um, and this policy has come out. Can you tell us about the pillars of the integrity policy and why you find them important to the USDA's mission? That's a great question, James. And I would really follow along with what Dr. Jacobs Young said, that you know, the main pillars of our scientific integrity policy are that we provide our employees with a clear definition of what scientific integrity is at USDA. The departmental regulation also provides positive statement of the expectations of, that USDA has for employees regarding their roles, responsibilities, and conduct which includes a USDA code of scientific ethics, which is the last page of our departmental regulation. And the third aspect is that we have a separate or companion departmental manual that clearly lays out a defined procedure for how the department responds to allegations um, that scientific integrity has been compromised along with how we investigate what appeals are available and really lays out how we provide due process protections to all of our employees and scientists. I'm looking at the one page fact sheet for the integrity policy. I see it, it italicizes that it's applicable to both political and career employees. Do you think this is um, important to emphasize at the department? I think that it's important when you talk about the applicability of a policy or departmental regulation that you clearly define to whom it applies. And our departmental regulation applies to USDA employees, political and career, who engage in, supervise, manage, or report on scientific activities, those who analyze and or publicly communicate information resulting from scientific activities, and those who utilize information from scientific activities in policy and decision-making. So it really covers the whole scope and gamut of interactions at the department. And what are some common concerns that you've heard from employees and scientists about their experience with the scientific integrity policy at USDA? Scientific integrity at USDA covers a lot of ground and provides protections across many types of activities. And we've tried to be explicit and provide concrete guidance to employees. However, one of the challenges of having a broadly defined policy is a lack of explicit examples for every contingency. Because just like in federal ethics, if you change the details, then the analysis of acceptability can change. We heard from uh, Dr. Jacobs Young, we heard from Jacob Carter here um, about concerns that you really characterize as whistleblower retaliation worries. Um, what does USDA do to protect, you know, would-be scientific integrity whistleblowers? And how do those considerations in, impact the scientific integrity policy? The USDA Office of Inspector General provides additional protections to whistleblowers and investigates any claims of whistleblower retaliation. Well, we're going to stop here for our final break. When we return, we will wrap up this discussion. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network.
Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Yes.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show. Let's dive right in. William, the work of USDA scientists seems to be an integral part of USDA's mission, but some of your subordinate agency missions, such as farm production and conservation, appear to be perhaps more reliant on science than others. How does the department work to elevate scientific integrity issues across the entire department? James, that's a great question. USDA works hard to ensure that the public has confidence in our science and science-based public policy making. As I mentioned earlier, our policy applies to those who perform science, those who communicate about science, and those who use science and policy making. And our subordinate agencies that may not directly perform research often use USDA research to inform their policy making to ensure that all of our employees are working together on scientific integrity, I engage in outreach to these agencies to talk about the importance of scientific integrity, why it matters to the employees and the public, and how scientific integrity intersects with their mission areas. At its most basic level, it's about public trust and that the public trusts that their research dollars are being used to improve public policies and develop new ideas, such as precision agriculture techniques that reduce planning costs for farmers, so that they have confidence whenever we come out with guidance that they can trust that their dollars have been spent appropriately. Can you tell us a little bit about those outreach efforts to agency employees? Yes, James. So. As the Department's Scientific Integrity Officer, I provide in-person training, serve on panels about ethics and scientific integrity questions regarding publication and or speaking opportunities, and really try to raise the visibility of scientific integrity at USDA. And this includes emphasizing that scientific integrity is supported from the very top, from the President and the Secretary. You know, Jacob, um, from your perspective at UCS, seeing the executive branch, um, you know, more broadly than just a single agency like USDA, have you seen that it's difficult for some agencies whose work isn't expressly scientific to understand and communicate the value of scientific integrity? I think it might be a tad difficult at first, although I do want to note that, you know, as um, William said that I think a lot of various programs across the federal government are already used to using scientific data or scientific information to inform their decisions. So I don't think that part of, you know, using science will be new. Um, however, you know, there have been multiple agencies that have uh, somewhat not had to think about scientific integrity, um, the practice of scientific integrity, development of scientific integrity policies, um, and we'll be you know, starting anew, if you will. Um, so I think there might be some learning that is um, needed in the beginning, and hopefully the scientific integrity task force um, and the framework that they will provide will serve as really great guidance for those agencies um, in how to adopt um, effective scientific integrity practices and, and maintain scientific integrity, ensure those protections um, for the scientific information data and maybe those individuals who um, are dealing with that scientific information or data um, to be protected. Can you give us any examples of agencies you think might be starting from scratch? Maybe what the, the challenges you expect them to experience are? Oh, that's a, that is a good question. Um, 
I don't know why. I think maybe the Department of uh, Justice comes to mind immediately, um, just because of um, the um, the strong, you know, uh, legality of that office and. Um, I, I don't typically think about the Department of Justice um, using or, or creating a lot of scientific information. Um, although clearly, um, you know, lawyers are depending upon uh, that information day in day out. Um, so I think that may be uh, an example of a federal agency that will um, need to figure out what to do in terms of scientific integrity. Well, how would you recommend that agencies like the Department of Justice and others that you think um, will have a challenging time um, implementing the executive order on scientific integrity? How do you recommend that they approach the issue to ensure employee buy-in? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, one thing that comes to the, the top of my head immediately that we've heard is really helpful from scientific integrity officers um, across the federal government um, is to have a space for folks to come in and speak to those scientific integrity officials. So almost like having office hours. Um, and that can be a really good way for individuals to come in and handle disputes um, without a formal scientific integrity violation, um, you know, being filed. Because in some cases, you know, there may be a dispute and there may not be a violation of the policy or there may be um, some mediation that can occur um, to um, handle the issue um, very quickly and with the scientific integrity official and that employee that has the issue. And I think that's a really good way to, you know, build up trust um, with the employees um, between the scientific integrity official um, and those that are falling, you know, um, under the policy. So I, I think you, I, I guess my roundabout answer is that building up trust is really important between the person that's overseeing the scientific integrity policy and employees who are falling under that. William, thinking about the idea that some agencies may have an easier time with this than others, have you seen or do you expect to see an increase in interagency collaboration following the issuance of the presidential memorandum on scientific integrity? There is a great deal of interagency collaboration on these issues. And in fact, I'm part of the interagency working group on scientific integrity and research misconduct that's been in place for, I believe, over a decade now. And so we have a whole group of professionals that are working to ensure that we have good applicability and harmonization of policies and processes across the government. How do you think agencies can improve their communication with the public on issues of scientific integrity in order to maintain their public trust in government science and policy? So this is a really important question and clear communication with the public and employees about a commitment to integrity is critical, but that only goes so far. I think that like USDA agencies should have a clear definition of scientific integrity along with the positive statement about their expectations for employees and clearly defined procedures for responding to when things go off track. And Jacob, does UCF have any thoughts about what the federal agency should be doing to communicate scientific integrity issues to the public? Yeah, I think, you know, transparency is good to build up trust anywhere. Um, there are some agencies that um, provide information about what is happening with scientific integrity inside the agency. Some agencies even um, provide reports on the number of scientific integrity um, allegations that have come forward, how many cases they've handled, um, not any more information than that, obviously, because that information um, needs to remain confidential. Um, but providing information like that to the public is, um, you know, a way to, to build up trust and to communicate out um, 
that the agency is taking scientific integrity um, really seriously. Um, I think the EPA actually has, um, are used to um, pre-COVID um, a day where you know stakeholders could come and get an update about scientific integrity and uh, where the agency was and, and the public could attend that. So those kinds of things are really good just to be transparent about what's happening and how the agency is handling scientific integrity. Do you have any thoughts or concerns about the lack of a uniform definition of scientific integrity across government at the moment? Yeah, I think as, you know, William noted, um, having a shared definition would be really good. It would help to inform every agency of exactly what they mean by scientific integrity, and that could really help to inform, um, I think, clearer processes and to uh, make those processes more standard across agencies. As I mentioned earlier, um, you know, there is there was variation in how uh, federal scientists perceived um, the effectiveness of their scientific integrity processes through the survey that I mentioned. Um, but there's also a lot of variation in the protections that the scientific integrity policies afford to federal scientists across um, the federal government. So for example, um, some federal agencies allow federal scientists to um, communicate publicly um, about their stances on various issues, as long as they have a disclaimer um, that while they may work for the agency, they are not speaking on behalf of the agency, they're speaking in their personal capacity. Some agencies do not have that provision. So scientists are not allowed to communicate about their personal opinions on those matters. Um, so there are provisions that are in some policies that are not in all agency policies. There may be a more standardized definition um, and maybe this framework that comes out of the task force will help um, provide some standards across the federal government. Great, thanks, Jacob. Willem, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? Thanks, James. As a final note, I would just say that the task force on scientific integrity that OSTP has assembled is really going to work to harmonize policies and procedures across the federal government to minimize any divergency between departments and agencies so that we can all speak with one voice. Thanks a lot, William and Jacob. That's all the time we have for the show today. I wanna to thank Dr. Shavonda Jacobs-Young, Dr. William Trankel, and Dr. Jacob Carter for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening. Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend.